Death is a natural part of life. Rejoice for those around you who transform into the Force. Mourn them do not. Miss them do not. Attachment leads to jealousy. The shadow of greed, that is. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Long Time Ago Radio, a conversational podcast about Star Wars and the official podcast of CanonTimeline.com. I'm your host, Joshua Mobley, and uh, I'm not joined by either of my favorite fans in the galaxy, but I am joined by two very good friends of mine, uh, Dave Ortuzo and uh, Kyle. I, for some reason, am blanking on your last name. <laughs> wow, Josh. My. It's Bradford, by the way. Bradford, that's right. I, guys, <laughs> Just the we haven't best talked in so long. It has been a while. It it's has been so long. A I long, mean, long time. Yeah, I think first, to, to clarify, we do talk a lot on Twitter. But That's true. This is yeah. the first time I've heard Kyle's voice in like a year. I know. Probably, yeah. It's been a while. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? He's like playing Halo Reach. And I was like, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> Tear to my eye. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for those of you that don't know, Kyle and Dave and I used to do a show called The Geek Tank. And we also did a couple other podcasts and we've been friends ever since. And they are big fans of Star Wars, obviously. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. But they're mainly coming on this special because of their expertise and knowledge in the video game industry. Because the special is all about that. It's about a specific Star Wars game that just got canceled. And I talked about it on the last episode a little bit. And Becky and I had a little back and forth. Alex doesn't know anything about video games. So he just kind of sat there quietly. But like uh, Becky and I had a little bit of a back and forth on like how this is being perceived and whether or not people are overreacting but for those of you that don't know and are coming into this special i don't know how you don't sort of know what this this is it's like probably the biggest news story of the week big the news until today <laughs> well i mean this is still bigger than that you sure <laughs> i, I feel like it i mean we'll see but uh, we'll find out yeah <laughs> anyway uh this entire episode is going to be about our thoughts, our breakdowns, and then maybe some more discussion on the video game industry at large pertaining to the news that EA shut down Visceral Games and the Star Wars single-player Uncharted game that they were developing, which I have I have started to call Star Charted. Star Charted. Yeah, it's just because Amy Hennig was involved. All of a sudden, it's Uncharted. No, they said <laughs> it was like Uncharted. <laughs> They like literally, it, like, Nolan North, I guess, was involved in the project. What is it? Just like, and he said, up at a con- he said at a convention, it's like Uncharted. I'm just picturing, like, the Millennium Falcon, and all of a sudden you start hearing. Oh, man. Just take Sully and make him a. Uh, put him in a cantina somewhere. <laughs> We're in business. Same Uncharted 4 model and everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's literally just Uncharted 4, and it's just yeah. they're all dressed as Rebels and Empire. Yep. That'd be a cool mod. Let's get on it. it Anyway, um, sad news. Obviously, the game getting canceled and people being laid off. Obviously, I don't. We don't like when. Well, it's not canceled. People lose their job. Um, It it is in a sense. For all intents and purposes, the game that we know that we thought was coming out is no longer coming out. Yeah. So and and I've people have been told me it's 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 technically a pivot in the industry. So it's not technically a cancellation, but. It kind of is in my mind because, yeah, like like Dave just said, like we're not get, we're never going to get that game. We're getting something totally different. Are we but, diving into the conversation right now? Yes. Well, in a second. So I'm okay. going to read some quotes 
uh, directly from EA and then a couple from Kotaku's article about the thing, just to get everybody caught up and like get the same pace. And if I miss something and you guys, uh, you know, just let me know if, if, if I'm missing anything. Um, we'll do our best, but we'll yeah. probably mess it up too. <laughs> Actually, I can make a boss. It's fine. You guys are doing great. Anyway, um, <laughs> EA announced this via their blog. And this is this, these are the words. Uh, this is what they said. So, our Visceral Studio has been developing an action-adventure title set in the Star Wars universe. In its current form, it was shaping up to be a story-based, linear adventure game. Throughout the development process, we have been testing game concepts with players, listening to the feedback about what and how they want to play, and closely tracking fundamental shifts in the marketplace. It has become clear to deliver an experience that players will want to come back to and enjoy for a long time to come. We needed to pivot the design. We will maintain the stunning visuals, authenticity in the Star Wars universe, and fo focus on bringing a Star Wars story to life. Importantly, we are shifting the game to be a broader experience that allows for more variety and player agency. Leaning into the capabilities of our Frostbite engine and reimagining central elements of the game to give players a Star Wars adventure of greater depth and breadth to explore. Um, so we know what we know about this game. It was an Uncharted-like game. It was literally being written by former writer Amy Henning, who wrote Uncharted 1 through 3 before she left Naughty Dog. And that's about it. We, we don't even really know when it took place in the timeline um, and some other things, but that's about it. And, I, and, and judging by it being an Uncharted kind of game, it was going to be more of like a smuggler's sort of thing, like very Han Solo-like, which sounded, all sounded really cool. This was almost, and I'm sure you guys will agree, it was almost going to be the spiritual successor to Star Wars 1313, which also got canceled um, when when Disney purchased yeah. LucasArts and then got out of video games pretty much entirely. Um, so, and my browser is being really stupid right now, but it's it's. It's fixed itself. Okay, so then... Good radio. There's more details coming in. Um, Kotaku, this is from a Kotaku article, which had more details about the news, said, It's safe to presume that the new incarnation of this Star Wars game will involve, quote, games-as-a-service elements, as has been EA's mandate for quite some time now. EA was not clear about the status of longtime Uncharted director Amy Hedig, who joined Visceral to direct this Star Wars game after she left Naughty Dog in early 2015. In an email, an EA spokesperson said, quote, we are in discussions with Amy about her next move. So she might actually still be working on this game. Indeed. I, I hope that's the case because that would be really crappy to have, you know, her make that jump from Naughty Dog to EA and then to have her, them pull the rug out from underneath that's her. That's the question, right? How the game's far like barely was off the ground. Because, I mean, ugh. They announced it right when. Well, I mean, when did they announce it was joined, happening? Which that was like been early 2015. Maybe like a year ago. Before that, even because what 2013 they yeah, announced they that the they got Star the Star Wars, Wars deal. deal, and they said that this was in the works. Amy Hennig came on 2015, so. I mean, it's okay. So they could have been a decent way along in production mm -hmm. by this point. For, maybe I mean, probably for a long know. time. Yeah, we probably will never know. We won't know for a long time, probably. Uh, yeah. For sure. Probably a lot I'm of sure scary someone NDAs will speak up soon on, on like um, Reddit or something, but uh, it's it is kind of unclear. And then to follow up, point. Kotaku had another piece of um, information. Is that a development team from across worldwide studios will take over development of Ragtag, which is the code name of the project, 
led by EA Vancouver team led by the EA Vancouver team that has already been working on the project. Steve Anthony will lead this team and we will use much of the work that has already been done to date by Visceral. The assets of Ragtag that have already been built will be the foundation of this new game. So a lot of the work is already done at this point, which I find really interesting that th that to me, see, everyone wants to immediate, like the shift in the marketplace is the thing everyone always brings up, like that language. They don't like that because they think, you know, I, I don't like the idea of Star Wars Destiny. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you, and this is probably unpopular, Star Wars Destiny sounds just as exciting to me as Star Wars Uncharted did. <laughs> so I feel like I'm going to get a cool game either way. And you probably... Josh, I would be disappointed if you said anything else. <laughs> I mean, it's literally two of your favorite I properties know. being put together three I, if you if you came out and said oh yeah i would have really just preferred the star wars uncharted thing instead of the star wars destiny thing i'd be like who who are you dave you dave you want to talk about something that would get me to stop playing destiny what? star wars destiny oh yeah star wars destiny it's literally just called star wars well destiny. They actually like, there actually already is a game called star wars destiny it's a card game there is okay so we can't no. do that but <laughs> that would be I mean, confusing we could. Yeah. yeah. Okay, called it's Destiny a Star Wars flight, or uh, Star Destiny Wars. With dice or <laughs> it's really, really, really popular. Um, with Dice, who's also a pop <laughs> developer at EA, <laughs> working on a Star uh, Wars game, <laughs> comes full circle. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I mean, I'm still pretty excited about this, but it sounds like it's not coming out for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, they're going to, I think it's, uh, and this is just being specifically from a tactical perspective, I think it's a good idea for EA to kind of, you know, break this news and then just let the game be in development for a couple of years. People will kind of have forgotten about this by the time it even gets talked about again. <laughs> I don't know if they'll um, forget. I'm, I'm pretty mad. About, I mean, I'm pretty mad about this, to be honest, as far as not necessarily the shift in the game. Yeah, I, mean, I, like I don't, I don't experiences, know. Either. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm also partial to multiplayer games. I mean, Josh, you and I have played a lot of Destiny 2 already. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I play a lot of... I'm excited for Anthem, which is a Bioware title coming from EA, you know? Mm -hmm. a, de um, a Destiny MMO Lite game. Yep. Uh, Honestly, Anthem, to me, is, like, a really big reason why I'm optimistic for this. Because I don't see them turning this into Star Wars Destiny if they were to have Anthem out. Are you and sure? And I think one of the other things... They like, cannibalized themselves in the past. Why so would I'm they? Not entirely, uh, I'm not entirely <laughs> confident. Are you talking about Battlefront to or Titanfall? Battlefield One releasing right yeah, next those to us? Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think what's really important is that first off, like one of the main things that's been dominating the conversation is the assumption, right? Like people are just jumping to games as service because that's probably what they would do, right? Because like Josh said, we were focusing on that one part of the the statement from mm. EA, Patrick Sutherland. And it's like, the way that I read that was pretty much like, if it they were planning for a release in late 2019, and now they're saying they will come out with a new plan sometime in the future. Uh, they are transitioning, and they're taking what was made at Visceral, and they're putting it onto the new team. So, like, if it's a new game, it's not going back to pre-production. No. This is not getting scrapped. What? What, uh, since there is so much work already done, my mind jumps to, and because this is one of the words that they deliberately used in there, uh, more player agency. To me, that does not scream destiny. To me, that screams Horizon Zero Dawn. 
Mass Effect, right? Mm-hmm. A, a game with so lots of choice. So you think pivot to an open world game? Probably. I'm not saying that's what I think it will be for sure, but I think it's just... I think what they're trying to do is just make it a more open game. Since they are shutting down Visceral and Amy Hennig is not confirmed to still be with the project yet, that's what also leads me to believe we probably don't know all the facts about this. Maybe development was getting a little bit rocky. I mean, Amy Hennig has come out before and said that development on Uncharted games have been complete hell, right? Yeah. So. Well, yeah, uh, she had that whole thing where she was like, I was working 60-hour weeks for years. Exactly. Yeah. So... I don't know. I, I, I'm not wanting to point the finger and say that Visceral is a bad developer because it's clearly not the case, right? Like, no, yeah. they made Dead Space. Exactly. But with that like, said, think about the past couple of Visceral well, games. They've made uh, Battlefield Hardline. They've made at the direction Dead of the Space EA. 3. They're also an EA uh, development studio from the very inception. So, like, their true. batting record is not super great. It's very tough. I'm not trying to blame them, especially right now. But I'm just saying, like, from EA's perspective, I can totally understand why they would run into this, see if there's a problem with development, see how much this project is probably costing them, to just say, like, okay, well, we have to change something here. We see that there is a path where we could include different things that will probably get us more money. And so I I do think that maybe we're... Uh, gonna have a game in the end that has some sort of loot boxes or some type of games as service uh, additional monetization in there but to say that like oh yeah we're gonna be getting some sort of multiplayer focused game single player games are dead it's like i don't think that's the case even that's the thing too i told everyone i was like i guarantee you there'll still be a single player I agree. Element to it like there'll still be a campaign and they're like you can't guarantee that i was like i absolutely can i was like (laughs) Destiny had one, Division had one. I'm like, all these games have them. And on top of that, they even mention there that it will still have... Uh, they're like, we're going to give you a Star Wars story that's worthy of the franchise. Right. Like, well, I think what worries me about it is that we may end up with... Um, and I know, Josh, you fall on a different side of the fence on this one, but we end up with a Shadow of War type situation where it's like a lot of pay-to-win-ish type mechanics inside the game which weren't intended to be there at first... And, of course, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. We don't know if there was some kind of friction with Visceral or if it just simply was a development thing. Like, there was a, you know, they just weren't working fast enough. And EA it was had like, been like okay, three we're done. years and all uh, we had gotten was a video right. of a guy walking outside for yeah. six seconds. You know? Yeah, and it's, it's possible that is, I mean, granted, we are just extrapolating from what we right. have. But it's, you know, it, it does certainly look that way. Um but I don't necessarily want to go assuming that a visceral, mostly because I fall more on the side of the fence when it comes to at least Dead Space 3, and that's, I guess it's no surprise, I'm a Jim Sterling fan, so of course I take his side on this one, that Dead Space 3 was very much influenced by EA and their insistence that games be multiplayer, at least have some kind of multiplayer component in all of their games. I mean, it explains why Dragon Age Inquisition had multiplayer when it really didn't have any business having it. If you're bringing up um, Dead Space, same way have you ever heard that anecdote that the one of the d- developers of Dead Space 2 came out on Twitter recently and said that... Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? So, okay. No. Somebody came out who was on the dev, to, dev team for Dead Space 2, which, for those who are unaware listening, that's a visceral main game. And uh, so they were talking about how uh, Dead Space 2... Uh, was developed for what did he say? I think he threw out the number like sixty million or something, and it made about two million, cool. something crazy. Ooh. And it's like Dead Space Two is remembered as a pretty good game, but Dead Space Three had all of these 
giant changes to it. So if you see a game like Dead Space 2 that doesn't do well in the marketplace, then in, at that time, and you're trying to think, okay, Dead Space is a well-regarded franchise. How do we put something in there where we can still get a return and keep making these games? I can totally understand how Dead Space 3 got made. I, that, like, that does not scream like EA being an evil corporation. That just screams we're trying to make money because AAA games cost too freaking much to make. Yeah. And again, they only have... So they, they announced this deal back in 2013, right? Yeah. It's only a 10-year deal. Mm-hmm. We're almost halfway through it, and they haven't produced a single thing. Right. EA and probably is shaking in their boots at, a little. At least to be for honest. us, right? Yeah. Like, we haven't seen anything, which seems like kind of a red flag to me, especially since DICE has kicked out two full games. Exactly. And also, like, Respawn's working on a game, and all these other mobile games have come and gone, and... I'm betting EA probably thought they were going to at least be able to squeeze out two, maybe hopefully three games, like sequels, by the time their deal was over. Because who knows if they'll get it back, right? Right. Like, Lucas might want to share the wealth, or you know, or they might go back and do a bit. Like, they might have publishers bid over the rights maybe to Star Wars games, and EA might lose it. And then what? Right. Like. I say, how far are we into it? You said we're you said four we're like years about to go into, into the it? fifth, so half, almost right. halfway done. Okay. It's it's pretty bonkers that we only have like Battlefront's the only AAA Star Wars game to come out of that deal, right? Yeah, so far. So, like, I other can than totally Disney understand. like reactivating the servers for these old games and then them making um, like mobile games, which some of them are really good, but they're not you know they're not the same audience, obviously, hmm. but. Yeah. yeah, I'll say, like, the... I mean, if you guys remember, like, during the, the quote-unquote, the prequel era, like, the churnout for these games was much more... Like, there was a lot more of them coming out. I'm not saying they were well, all Well, you good, don't have one publisher saying working that, with the exclusive rights then, you know? Yeah, back yeah. then it was... It literally was Lucasfilm and LucasArts, LucasArts. giving out the rights. Like, just to anyone, to who, anyone was, who was... Yeah, if they paid them enough, feel like, they were going to get. And obviously Lucasfilm kind of yeah. made sure that they fit within the a little like they not as much now but you know they made sure it fit within like star wars brand basically but that was it but that's now, a good point to bring up that past sorry just a quick note like mm-hmm. think about it right like there's no way you could make a jedi academy game on that scale these days like if you made a game like that type you would have to like go balls to the wall crazy make it like an uncharted level experience triple a budget with like giant set piece moments that like a Tomb Raider type game, you know, like people yeah. wouldn't be satisfied if it was like a Jedi Academy. Yo, though, Doctor Afra Tomb Raider, come on now, I come no on now, huh? What? What are you talking about? They should make a Doctor Afra Tomb Raider game. That would be amazing. I'm so confused. Doctor Afra is a Star Wars character. Get Doctor. off my show! <laughs> Live long and prosper. Josh, that's Star Wars. Yeah, right? she's like, Josh, we're we're more on the. She's I mean, basically we know evil Wars, Indiana Jones like, in the Star Wars universe. You guys are nerds. She's awesome. <laughs> Got any more bright ideas, Dude, Professor? She's, she's dope. She's awesome. Like if she could totally like have her own Uncharted like game, that'd be perfect. But like, what do you guys honestly see coming from this game? Whenever they finally re-reveal, I I do really see a RPG type game that maybe has loot boxes, or I see what 
what you guys were just saying, like a Horizon Zero Dawn sort of experience where now it's an open world game and not this linear experience. Yeah. What do you think, Dave? I mean, what I was thinking was that it's going to end up being like Shadow of War. That's 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 what it's screaming to me. Like that's what I'm. So you think they'll sell they'll, they'll yeah. sell optional loot boxes? That's what. Well, optional loot boxes, and I'm not. I don't know. It's it it seems that way considering they're they're you know, EA seeing the success of games like Destiny. They're seeing. I mean, games that, but like, you could um, argue Anthem is already their answer to that. Anthem right. is their answer to that. But they're also seeing a bunch of other publishers doing now putting loot boxes into single-player games now, too. So that could be a reaction to that. Mm -hmm. It's possible. Um, again, we won't know until we hear more about it, and I doubt that we're going to hear much about it until... I, I mean, know, I'd, be interested, I'd be uh, interested to know, and I know this has nothing to do with EA right now, but I'd be really interested to know how well the loot boxes do in something like Shadow of War. Like how i'm I'm sure it's only I about one percent of players who actually buy them because honestly like we were talking about earlier dave i've been playing shadow of war and i have not felt the need to buy them at all i feel like i'm totally fine but then again i've also heard that once you get to the after the game game where you can grind and just keep playing that's when they're hoping you buy them but I mean, yeah, there was I don't a know. Like, there was a recent report from Digital River that I saw on GameIndustry.biz like last week that said uh, games as service sort of monetization things like loot boxes have tripled the worth of the industry. Really? I yeah, I can't remember like the the timeline. So that means they're making a, a lot right. of money. <laughs> the lot. important thing to to note, though, obviously, is like development has scaled with that so like last generation we have tripled development costs of AAA games so like what the average was 20 million now it's like 80 i can't i don't know exactly the numbers but it's like it's getting insane and it's you know exponential over and they time. Need those returns exactly yeah. so it's like i i this is almost impossible people like Which, i mean last week everyone was freaking out about loot boxes right and it's like this is becoming something that's just going to be like if it's not loot boxes, it's going to be something else. Because you can't just raise the price to $70 or $80 anymore. Like, they could. They can't. People won't buy that, exactly. Like, first off, in that other report, they also noted that $60 price tags uh, dissuade a lot of consumers. And if you raise it to 70 or 80 you don't have a guarantee that people are going to be buying it as often as they would be $60. And you'll get less, and you'll get less people coming in to spend money on those loot boxes. Exactly. In so the first place. It's like the only way that and, they can really fix the situation is by adding stuff in the game for people to buy. And, like, obviously loot boxes mostly suck. I've never run into an experience where, like, it elevates the game in any way, right? It's, it's always either a neutral, yeah. which is, you know, hopeful. Or like Overwatch, uh, you know, a net negative, and even in Overwatch, but, I hate it in Overwatch. So it's like, see, I don't. I'm I'm not a I'm not a hater on loot boxes. I I don't think every game needs loot boxes, obviously. But that's what we're. It calling. seems like it, but some. Anyway. I I don't necessarily think like if someone doesn't have a ton of time to play and they want to pay two dollars to level up twice as fast in a single player game, who is who are they hurting? You know, the thing that bothers me about it though is like games are strictly made 
like okay what's the average age of the gamer these days they're in their 30s right it's like right? 30 yeah that's the average age of a parent right in this country right. so it's like they're just they're making games that are longer and harder to finish like you know it's incredibly difficult to play a game like destiny when you've got a newborn and their only way to get some access to certain types of content within the games that they bought is to add more money into that system it's like they're targeting that on purpose. And like, I'm not sure. one of those people that are super doom and gloom about it, but I do think like there are some predatory natures to loot boxes in, oh, in sure. general. And, and I've never seen them like do something super positive in a game. It's either super neutral or it, it's a negative effect. And like in overwatch, which is probably the best example, like the, the whole idea of a games as service is to change it from like, you don't just finish it and then put it away you're constantly working towards stuff. The reason why Overwatch is a games as service is because you have skins and blah, blah, blah to earn through loot boxes, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, all of a sudden, if you want a certain skin that's only available but, through the Halloween event that's going on right now and there's a ticking here's time the bomb. Thing. I would argue that the Overwatch is a good example of how loot boxes actually do make the game experience better. Uh, hang on a minute. I'm gonna take you I'm gonna take you to Mordor and bring you right back to the Whoa. Shire. <laughs> What? So you can buy you you obviously you earn loot boxes at a pretty regular rate in Uncharted or uh, not Uncharted Overwatch. <laughs> I feel Charted. like you earn them at a pretty reasonable rate just by playing the game. For sure. And then the events roll around and there are special ones that will get you the special skins and you can earn those for free by playing. And you can just buy a bunch of boxes. They've never charged more for another character, another map, nothing. And the reason they're able to do that is because of the people that do buy the loot boxes, not even the people that don't. For the people that don't spend any money in in Overwatch, the loot boxes are giving them free content on a regular basis, and they're not paying for it. So they're directly benefiting. Their game experience is directly benefiting from loot boxes, even though they're not buying them. But the problem I see with that, with loot boxes in general, right, is that you see a skin that you like which even ties into that recent report from Glixel about the Activision patent, which I'm sure we'll get to at a certain point. But uh, if you see somebody running down with a really cool Genji skin and you're a Genji main and you want to use that skin, you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll just keep you know, getting loot boxes. Your percentage chance that you'll get that skin is infinitesimal. You know, it's, in, it's insane. And, yeah. and that's my issue I mean, with it. It's like you see content in the game that you enjoy and it's like slowly trickling it out. And I'm not saying that, like, there's any alternative, because clearly Overwatch did it in a way where they could release a game for 40 bucks, which was much more enticing to a lot of people, unless you got over the Origins Edition or the console yeah, version. And I had to bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, at the end of the day, like, if you're asking me point blank, would you re have preferred to just buy a chunk of characters and then have the game and, like, you unlock the skins or something like in a more traditional route like from 20 years ago then like yes of course i understand that's not how things work anymore so like i'm not upset no. about it but at the same time it doesn't mean that loot boxes have enhanced the experience of that game for me because now i'm <laughs> bummed out because i can't get I, there's no like way for me to get the skin it is all just rng right and that's my no, biggest because gripe. you can you yeah. can earn up enough credits to just directly buy it 
Well, I mean, even I guess I have to jump in here because honestly, Kyle, you hit the nail on the head with the Overwatch thing in that specific situation. Um, you guys remember the anniversary event when they had the Sentai Genji skin? Now, that was the coolest skin I have ever seen. So, of course, I sat down every single day and I played Overwatch as much as I could, you know, in between going to work and doing my other, you know, responsibilities. And I never got it. And I literally, the last day, I had to throw a bunch of money at the game to try and just open as many loot boxes as I could to get that skin. Because I knew I'd be waiting for a year if I if I didn't get it then. And that's what they want. So, and that's and what like, they want. And, like, all power to and them, I get it. But, like, it's still, it sucks, man. Like, <laughs> uh, it sucks. And let's not even get into that whole, all the news about Activision, where they're now starting, their, like, games moving forward. They registered a patent that actually... You know the they 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 um, structure their matchmaking for PvP to try and make you like entice you to buy more right. loot boxes, which is like I don't even want to unpack that because this is this is discussion about visceral and the Star Wars game. I don't want to get too far into that, but you know we are definitely moving in a, a direction where they're looking to put even more loot boxes into games, and I think it's going to get to a point where we're going to hit this you know this um this we'll breaking have point to. Yeah. where there is where you know every game has loot boxes and we're all just like <laughs> i mean you can believe that have josh i'm sorry i know we're <laughs> we're, we're a pg the podcast kids. now this is different than we were when we were on the geek tank we could just say no because we were explicit like, but i like keeping this show yeah. family friendly so i i take all the <laughs> and jesus out, man <laughs> yeah, and i replace them with blaster sounds <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that's what's awful. going on, especially with loot boxes, like loot boxes will will go the same way as pre-ordered season pass, DLC, all that stuff. Like it comes out in waves. And yes, obviously all that stuff still exists, but like people put up with it to a certain extent. And like if it was really so big of a deal, people wouldn't buy into the system and they wouldn't exist. It's a two way street, right? Like sure. it's working for a reason. And because a people like to do that, like it's, it's especially like in destiny, right? Like whenever you get in an exotic Engram, mm-hmm. it feels super good. So like it's, it, it incentivizes us, you know, endorphins rush through our heads all the time and it's good. But at the same time, it's like super shitty and nefarious. Uh, almost everything on the back end is psychologically built to make you want to do that stuff. And like, there was even that whole discussion about if loot boxes in particular are, are gambling, which is, I think a bit silly, but still. Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Like Peggy and the ESRB had to come out and say like, no, they aren't, but it's like. Like, no, it's not really, but it's still scummy, but it's not gambling. Right. And, really. and that's like saying buying Pokemon right. cards is gambling. Like, like those not, Disney, you know, or I'm sorry, I said it again. Those Wonder geez. Ball Disney things. This is going to be a blaster filled show. But. <laughs> <laughs> now that Josh has said something, like now that, you've, now that you've said it, like the, the, know, the seal is broken. Now I'm just, just, we were purpose, doing so well like, for like 30 whole We were. Minutes. We did a pretty good job. Yeah. Now the dam broke. That's the good kind of dam. Are you going to bleep that one? Beavers. <laughs> I don't even, yeah. Lightsaber it away. I don't know. But. <laughs> It's just the way that the industry is at the moment. It's like, uh, like you were saying, Dave, there's going to be a tipping point. And it's like the thing, the thing that I perceive is that games are becoming so hard to produce. The audience for games are becoming so insatiable for things, right? Like it is insane that like, for instance, Forza Motorsport 7 just recently came out. That game was running at 60 FPS on a standard Xbox One. And it's like, that's pretty insane yeah. how 
how that works. That takes a lot of code. Right. And people expect that from every game, right? They expect AAA uncharted level graphics and they want everything to run super smooth 1080p. And that is just ridiculous of a bar to really set even with like, like we may have more powerful machines, right? We have a PS4 pro. We've got an Xbox one coming out soon. And of course, PCs are PCs, but it's like, that doesn't mean that the work is easier for the developer, right? It just means that like, okay, sure. The box may able, may be able to run it better, but there are still so many things that go into making that, that work. And so because people have these set standards, you can even see this in Japan. A lot of games just decide to not go for that bar at all and just come out looking like a last generation game. Like, sure, there are some budget uh, reasons. Like, if you look at, uh, uh, what is that, JRPG, uh, Summon Night 6 Lost Borders is coming out. It looks like a PS3 game because it's, you know, it's not a huge, it's not Final Fantasy. But at the same time, you know, like, that's half of probably the Japanese market that's buying into stuff like that. You look at Nintendo, everyone gave them crap because the Wii came out and it wasn't HD. Well, guess what? They weren't shutting down a whole lot of studios back then, were they? So we're getting, I think we're going to get to a a lot of units. That's true. Switch for the switches. Switch is going to destroy this holiday season, (laughs) but. Oh yeah. I mean, for months it's been the top selling console. Absolutely. And it will continue to be. Mario. Oh, it looks so that good. Mario. But speaking off that too, like the the breaking point, quote unquote, mm. that we're talking about. Even as someone who might be, I wouldn't say maybe a loot box apologist, but I'm not necessarily anti loot box. Uh, I feel like there will be a breaking point, but I don't think it's going to come from people like us. I think it's going to come from like people who, you know, just play games. They don't read forums and they yeah, don't yeah, read yeah. reddit yeah. and listen to podcasts well, Josh, yeah, yeah, yeah they're just gonna pop into a You're, game and play it and then all of a sudden like they're gonna encounter like the crappiest loot box you can think of and then they're gonna go well that's stupid and then they're just gonna stop playing the game yeah yeah, uh, Josh, you're hitting the nail on the head on that one. That the you know it's not going to come from us. It never does usually come from us. It's usually the 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 general consumer. I mean, there's going to be this time where you know just random guy is going to go buy one game from if GameStop's still around mm-hmm. at this point. Who knows? Um, and then you know they're gonna he's going to play the game and it's going to be like, oh man, this kind of sucks. This is like this is taking forever and they're asking me for money constantly. I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna put this down. And then he waits like two weeks and then he goes buys another game same thing and he's just like i guess i'm just right, done screw this and he yeah. just does that's it. what uh, one of my friends is doing right yeah. now actually like he he went he always buys madden he always buys at the wwe games and he's thinking about getting star wars yeah. battlefront 2 and so i was talking about it with him and uh i for one like didn't care at all about the whole loot box stuff in the beta like i understand there were some issues but like I wasn't talking to him about that. I was just saying, you know, like, what is it like whenever you buy these games? Because he's a parent. He has two kids. He only plays games, like, after he puts them to bed and then he listens to podcasts and, you know, plays whatever. And he's starting to be like, it's games are becoming a thing that I can no longer really play because I'll buy a game and it's, like, constantly asking me to do this and that. And it's like, I just want to buy a game and play it. And, like, I'm getting tired of it. And I totally understand that. And I think publishers are taking for granted 
like a mainstream consumer audience, like they don't want to put up with a billion walls. They don't want to put up with a billion different things to think about and do once they buy a game. There's they just want to play the game. Yeah, they, yeah. And if they're instantly walling off content to them, it's like there's only so much that can last until eventually the like I feel like eventually there's going to be some big AAA publisher that's like going to either back out entirely or just something's going to happen. They're going to go bankrupt, and then all of a sudden we're going to be living in the new normal of video games, and it's just going to be insane. <laughs> it's like the whole there's a there's this fallacy, and I've heard it from all kinds of YouTubers, especially lately with all the Destiny stuff that's been going on. I know this podcast is not even about Star Wars anymore, but it's we fine. It. That's why this is a special <laughs> episode, people. You know what you signed up for. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like, nah, now nah, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> what are YouTubers talking about? We can go back to Star huh? Wars now. So we can that's, go back to Star Wars true. now. I mean, but you lost, speaking you lost of the of uh, thought, speaking so of the EA like... thing we were talking about, where like there's all these walls and stuff. Now I kind of remember where I was going. But the mm-hmm. EA thing where we were talking about Madden. You know that that like card game thing that they do, the team RPG, where like you can buy packs and they have player cards in them that have different stats or whatever. The franchise thing? Yeah. Yeah. You know how much money EA makes on those? They almost made a billion dollars last year. Exactly. From just that. Just that. Not even the the game isn't... Like, they could give you the game for free and they'd still make a profit. Think about that. That may be where we're headed. It's like... I don't know what the solution is, right? Like, because clearly the stuff works too well there's no way to not do it yeah and the only other option is to make a game that's not at the triple a level you know like yeah i think luckily we are seeing a resurgence of like smaller double a games that are coming back into into the uh, market uh, For sure. i think you know the the prophesized in apocalypse right like i don't think that took as big of a hit as people might have assumed and i think we're seeing more and more developers creating more unique stuff and I think we're starting to get back to a place where not everything is tiny, tiny budgets and giant budgets. I think there is beginning to have some bubbles fill in those spaces in between. But for sure, you know, you know what game gave me hope for what you're saying, Kyle? It was, and I haven't played it yet, so don't quote me on this. I may say something completely different if I ever do get to play it. But Hellblade: Senua's really Sacrifice, good game. yeah, that it was, was like thirty dollars. You know, yeah, yeah, and it was done. Yeah. Uh, Ninja yeah. Theory, right? They made it and they published it themselves. And so they charge thirty dollars. I'm pretty sure they would make a profit on it. If they don't have to go through a middleman. I mean, they even and they even brought up during the promotion for that game that they brought up that whole era where the middle ground of gaming right. was dying because it's kind of dead right now. And they were like, "We're trying to bring that back, and we're, this is an experiment, and we really hope you'll buy our game and like connect with it and all that." And I believe Hellblade did really well, actually. I think it's a really interesting case study because for sure, yeah. uh, like it wasn't completely self-produced, right? Like they didn't go to uh, yeah, they didn't go to anybody. They just made right. It. Okay, it was so publisher. With yeah, they just whatever. Uh, I remember in one of their developer uh, video documentaries, they were saying that like all the money that they make from Senua's Sacrifice is going directly into the next game that they're doing. So like this is going to be a continuing thing for them, which I think is great because you look at the games that they were making. Which are all good. I, I think Heavenly Sword's a good game. I think Enslaved's a good game. But they didn't perform, I think, as well as people might have wanted. So for them to go this route where it's like, okay, we'll, we'll temper expectations. We won't make this for a billion dollars. We'll have one really good-looking model in the game. And then the rest of it is like, you know, we don't need to make giant cities or anything. 
I think that's a really good route to take. Not every studio can do that, clearly, right? Right. Like, Rockstar can't make yeah. the next Grand Theft Auto with one character. They're going to need, like, you know, tons yeah. of stuff to work with. Obviously, Rockstar is fine, but mm-hmm. uh, it's just... We're... We've hit this era where, like, things don't need to be so bombastic and crazy like they did in the like when the Xbox 360 first came out and everyone was trying to make a blockbuster. Mm. Like, I mean, look at PUBG. That game does not look good. Right. You know how many people, like how many copies that game sold? Like millions. A lot. It, it, it's yeah, one of the most played games on Earth it Broke right Steam now. records, right? Yeah, two million concurrent players at the same time. And it's a good game. It's really good. And all, <laughs> like, yeah, and all, the, all the publisher had to do was get mad at F- Fortnite Battle Royale, and all of a sudden we have two games. That's yeah, exactly. conversation. <laughs> that's funny but i i think the again let's going back to this star wars thing Mm -hmm. i mean as as much as i and i don't know if you guys agree like everybody plays games differently and i think that's cool and i like that there are so many genres that people connect to and and relate to and get into and all that like uh i i don't um I'm not as much a single-player game person as much anymore, and I don't know if that's shared among you guys because most of my friends are very much like... I barely play multiplayer games. Okay, so the thing with me is, and and it's not that I dislike single-player games, I realize that even single-player games were always a almost like a community thing with me like i always played single player games with friends and i always played them you know at my best friend's house like i played through all of kingdom hearts at his house we both played through it together we both played through all the final fantasies together trading the controller back and forth like when we first beat god of war one we played it for six hours straight and we were in his bedroom during uh his mom's like giant crazy christmas party and we were like in the dark playing God of War, like all night, and and like I remember that, and that like every time I play that game, I think of that experience. And so now that I'm older, and like my friends can't get together to play Street Fighter and things, I like games that have co-op, and like I want to play those single-player games with, you know, with my girlfriend and stuff, because we both want to play games together. I don't necessarily like the game where it's just me on a couch alone like and i know some people do and that's fine but it seems like a lot of the industry's focus and a lot of people are the same as me like there are a lot of people that just straight don't like single player games and and, i think that's an interesting point and they're not wrong either yeah i think like we definitely saw this during last generation with the xbox 360 and the ps3 where online gaming all of a sudden was no longer you know, restricted to the PC, it became all over the place, right? And then be- anything that's on console sort of drives where things are going because, you know, that's sort of where mainstream audiences go. All of a sudden, every game was pushing for online multiplayer games. Like, all of a sudden, Uncharted 2 had it. Not trying to say that it didn't need it, just saying, you know, all of a sudden, games are starting to chase that rabbit, right? It's one of those trends. And I think people immediately saw that multiplayer games means that players are continuing to go back to those games, which they can and then tell, you know, their investor, hey, 
someone who buys this game will play it for seven months instead of two weeks. And I think the frustration, especially about the Star Wars game, is that people are worried that, you know, we already have Battlefront. We already have that. And yeah. And we already have the Old Republic. So I think people are just There's not really worried. a lot of content coming out for the Old Republic either. I mean, that's true. <laughs> and I don't think people are as interested in these full MMOs anymore. Like, we already have... And I think Bethesda was honestly really brave to make Elder Scrolls Online, and it's amazing that it's as successful as For it sure. is. Yeah, Nobody absolutely. talks... What's funny, because no one talks about it, but it's like top three most successful MMOs right now. But they're no one wants to make these giant MMO experiences anymore, but you've got the problem that there's all these kids who grew up playing vanilla WoW and can't put that time in, but they still want that sort of experience, and that's where games like Destiny come in. You get the not-a-second-job vanilla WoW experience, you know? Right. Or I like, think the I discussion, did a raid, and now I'm done with the game, you know? it's it's. I think the discussion, though, especially from people on my side of the fence, that that are upset, right? Because I am frustrated. I don't want this game to become, you know, whatever Anthem is going to be. Or I don't want it to be... That's why, like, my optimistic uh, sort of interpretation of that report was that, oh, okay, it'll just be, like, an open-world game or something. It'll be like Horizon. Because, like, that's my wishful thinking. But it also... It still could be. It still could exactly. be. Exactly. I think, like, high probability, that's what it'll be. But I can totally understand why people are upset and why so many people are are complaining about you know the death of the single player game because it's like we we feel like so many publishers and developers are telling us that hey we would like to make you a game we would like to make a quality game like this like like uncharted for instance right is a a quality single player game has multiplayer functionality mm -hmm. but it's like it doesn't need to sell a whole lot because it's a prestige game that Sony can say is exclusive on their console and it sells enough. I think a publisher like EA, who does not have a console out that they aren't making exclusive games for, does not have any incentive to tell us, people that want a single-player game, hey, you know, I'm sorry, these just aren't in the market anymore. we got to focus on multiplayer games. So it's like, we feel like we are being pushed out. Like, we're sorry, I mean, do you, your games do you don't matter that much. But do you think a lot of that's an illusion where like 10 I mean, every, years ago... Yeah, for sure. Like 10 years ago, 80% of the games that came out were single player and now well, they're first, not? Well, that was due to technologic, yeah, know, like, technology. Yeah, like we didn't have multiplayer functionality. You know, like we didn't have broadband internet 20 years ago that was so universal, right? Like that's why certain games became so popular and so incredible throughout the ages and haven't, you know, ha like you don't need loot boxes in a Mario game, right? Like, because that was established before any of this started and it is probably going to be fine. Fingers crossed. But also it's Mario. Exactly. It's like, but. well, all I'm saying is that, you know, back when I was a kid, right? The games that I fell in love with single player games that I enjoyed that I don't see coming out anymore. You know, it feels like the stuff that I enjoyed are no longer, you know, important enough for them to make. And I'm not saying that, you know, oh, I want game I want game developers to focus on me. Like obviously, they need to make money first. That's I've said this for a long time, you know, games are a business long before they are ever an art. But the issue is, like I still want single player games, which going back to Star Wars, we have Battlefront. This is going to be the second Battlefront game to come out. We are I want a single player Star Wars game. So if it was going to be a single player Uncharted like Star Wars, 
that sounds awesome. Like thirteen, thirteen. Especially exactly. after what happened. To like we've seen this happen exactly before, and it's disappointing. And, yeah. and I think that's where the and, anger is coming from. And Kyle, I think I can put this into like into a different terminology, I guess, because. And Josh, you kind of hit on it before a little bit when you said like most of the people aren't angry about this and there's a reason for it. It's because honestly, there's more extroverts in the world than there are introverts. And the introverts tend to like the single player experiences more because there's less interacting with people. And honestly, I'm not saying that as a way of saying that I hate interacting with people. I wouldn't be on I do podcast. hate interacting with people. I'm not sure if you have to bleep so, that one. To be fair, you don't even <laughs> but, know who, do- who, who Dr. Afra is, so get off my show. <laughs> fair. Yeah, I mean, very fair. <laughs> we're, we're just awful people in general. And I thought I this was no a Star Trek show. This, Josh, it's just. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what is a Star War? Uh, Star piece. But did J.J. Abrams? He did that. Uh, I've I've only actually seen that a Battlestar Galactica. Um, Galactica. The uh, you know I I thought Life Day was actually a very a really good concept that you know should be explored deeper. Where are we going? Um, with this definitely think i definitely think star i think star wars needs more b arthur i think that's what i'm trying to say well star wars is about telling stories (laughs) it always has been right and and for this game that's coming out i think even with this change because i i just think that i don't it's not that uh star wars uncharted couldn't or wouldn't sell but i think a lot of it has to do with like we were talking about at the very beginning which was they pl- they developed something for three years and nothing seemed to come of it or go right. At like, or maybe it was just something that EA didn't like. I mean, I mean it's, it, it's they very also said that, that we were we had too. people come in and play it, and we were shifting the design constantly to like, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the reason why we don't see anything is because EA has the say on marketing. Yeah. So right. the only way we would hear about it is if EA decided which, it was a good enough product that they were going to market now, it to begin with. Which now, like, when they uh, said, oh, it's not going to be at E3, makes me think, like, it may have been in some trouble. It's possible, or it's the fact that they're retooling it now, so it's, you know, the game in its current state, whatever Visceral had done, I mean, there's no point showing it. It's not going to be not. that game. Yeah, like, and how so we've got... And, no and they're going to... And they're honestly, like... The game they're making, it'll have, it'll have all those assets, which is nice. Which means it'll go a lot faster, because they don't have to make the stormtrooper armor or the lightsaber or the blaster or the bridge or the building. Well, they said it, it's it built is. in frostbite, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, there's probably a lot of dice's assets too. Well, if, if it curtails the same art style, I would which, be shook. I'm totally fine with. If that's honestly like, I think Dice really nailed the battle, the uh, Star Wars aesthetic. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. You know, like we were playing Battlefront two on the PS4 Pro. Like, it looks good. It's pretty, like holy but, crap. Yeah, I I, I just, but I think that it's sad that yeah that that happened. But again, we don't know what Respawn's making. We don't know if Bioware is working on a Star Wars game. It's so weird that I think they're excluded from that statement. I think it's really interesting that they do not talk about the the rest of those Star Wars games because it's like this seems like a really blanket sort of a statement to say like it's because changes in the market you know we brought people in to say to play the game and they want to do other things in it and it's like but, but also not- at the same time they're probably looking at any single player games that they have made or a lot of other single player games that have come out and 
you have to remember that things like Dishonored 2 had a lot of people wanting it and people crying out for it, and when they got it, nobody bought it. Yeah, a lot. So, I'm sorry, that was really mean. <laughs> what? I just don't like Uncharted. Or, uh, not Uncharted. I'm not a Dishonored Okay, fan, but I so am, I really and I know that that, all, that fan <laughs> yeah. base, while ravenous, and they wanted but, it, mm-hmm. nobody bought it. Exactly. I can also, but I can speak for Persona 5, which, you know, did very, very well. Uh, but it has a set audience. And also, that that did not cost as true. And that did like not cost, yeah, that game did is. not cost them millions of dollars. I mean, it should probably cost a couple mil, but. Which, which is a good thing to bring up, though, because it's like, okay, Persona is a super satisfying game, but that is not, like, the AAA level, right? Like, Persona still, for all its success, is, is I would still consider it a pretty niche JRPG. You know, you're not going to see you know, someone oh, yeah. off the street knowing what Persona is. But you can still make money off of niche RPGs. I'm pretty sure Sega made a pretty But I think the Persona. issue is that, like, uh, we're not seeing those sorts of games in the AAA space anymore. We're seeing those diminish every single year. Yeah. You know, like, we only have Uncharted. Like, I can't... And Tomb Raider, yeah, and then right? People and like, Tomb Raider needed to yeah. be published by Microsoft at first, The Rise of the Tomb Raider, right? That needed to, a helping yeah. hand. Well, there's also Horizon. But that's, I mean, again, another gone, exclusive. But also, so it doesn't need Sony, to sell yeah. super well. Sony can afford to make those kinds of games because even if they only make bank, like, Sony gets to make 20% off every single video game sold on their console. And they can say that, okay, this yeah. is a, a PlayStation 4 has all of these games that are yeah. uh, reviewing super well. It doesn't even it. matter if Uncharted yeah. breaks even. The, yeah, it's, right. like, it's like you were saying, Kyle. It's It's yeah. a prestige game, and they can be like... We have this amazing game of the year game. Look how freaking gorgeous it was. It cost millions of dollars and it only made it it only ever made its money back. It didn't break even. But while you're here, we also have Battlefront 2. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have Destiny. We yeah, have we have Destiny. And we get strikes. exclusive strikes. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so like they kind of get an excuse. Like they get to take, you know, they get they get extra money so they can make these crazy bombastic games to get people to come play their games but like not every studio can afford that and so people like ea who are spending millions of dollars and not getting 20 percent of everybody's game that's being sold have to cut have to undercut their costs somehow exactly and and when a project goes over time over budget and they're like well how do we you know how do we fix this because if they had just kept making the game that it was gonna be i bet it would have come out and it would have been pretty good but I would, hope. would it have made its money back? Which is what, at the end of the day, they're a company, and that's their entire goal is to right. employ people. I don't think it would have. I think it would have been one of those situations I mean, like the Hitman game, Absolution. No, not Hitman. Deus Ex or the Tomb yeah. Raider. Tomb Raider reboot. Yeah, nobody bought Deus Ex either. <laughs> right. Like, Square Enix had to come out and say, like, it didn't meet expectations. Like, it sold, num- like, but, the number was a lot. But it's Square Enix was still like, oh, that's not what we needed. And then again, we are talking about one franchise which is well known and respected. Yes, I will give Deus Ex that. But then we're also talking about Star Wars, which, which is why I think it's even more so, interesting. You know, it's like if Star Wars is not enough to sell a single player game on, right? Just the name alone, what the heck is next to nothing? Like, you think those Square Enix Marvel games are going to do as well if they're single-player only? Like, I doubt it. 
Especially, like, they're not going to have the backing well, of, of Amy Henning and the guys that made Dead Space. It makes me think how, you know, how is CD Projekt Red making all their money with stuff like, you know, The Witcher 3. You know, it's a $60 title that you can buy. I can buy it for 20 bucks right now on Steam. Right. And, you know, they seem to be doing just fine as far as the, you know, as far as their health I think goes. CD Projekt Red is a really um, interesting situation. I mean, it's hard to compare just because first, like, you know, they're, they work in... They're also Finland? Europeans, dude. No, they're in like the Czech Republic or something. Somewhere like that. Yeah, and it's like Poland. Poland. There you go. That's like Poland are. has great. I think they get a grant from their government as well because they're like a huge export for them, and they have like an arts uh, video game program that they run through. But I mean, obviously, that doesn't pay for mm-hmm. the entirety of The Witcher Three, and that's a huge game that does not have any sort of in-game mon- uh, monetization stuff. That is not multiplayer, and it's like. I think first off, they probably take pride in the fact, you know, they always there's that letter that comes with the game in the manual, right? That says like, "Oh, thanks for buying our yeah. game. We're not going to do any stupid stuff." Like, I think as a studio, they have this sort of ethos about them that's against that sort of thing, which is awesome. I like that. I love The Witcher Three. It's like probably one of the most groundbreaking RPGs in a while. But you know, it's to compare a game like that that was probably on the shoulders of The Witcher 2's development, which you know, was on the shoulders of The Witcher 1. Like, you know, that's sort of an exponential growth of popularity. I, it's it's tough. Like, uh, first off, I don't know how they did it, right? It seems impossible. But uh, Star Wars, man, if if they, if EA does not feel comfortable making a single-player Star Wars game, it just makes me feel like nobody is going to feel comfortable making a, a triple-A single-player game outside of those that can afford it. I do... I think that, like... I think you're you're right in the sense that these you know these AAA publishers just don't feel comfortable doing it. But I think that's become I think it's possibly and it's a grand word in opinions. My I think they're just so risky. How can you not be? Point. They're so. I mean, they're they looked at what happened with Mass Effect Andromeda and they got the wrong message from what happened with Mass Effect Andromeda. They got. Oh well, the single player experiences don't sell well. No, single player experiences don't sell well when you write your characters poorly think, and you don't give think this is just your Mass VO, Effect. You give your v- yeah, and you give your voice actors one take to get I mean, their lines. Mass Effect Andromeda uh, also was made on know, like a quarter of the the Bioware team, right? Like, there's a ton of issues. Yeah, it was Bioware Montreal, and you know they there was just a ton of issues with it, and you know they a lot of people are pointing to Mass Effect Andromeda as the thing that kind of shook EA out of this single-player thing. And they take a look at what happened to, you know, certain other single-player games that didn't do so well. And they, you know, they... It's hard to fault the people at the top who are seeing this. And they aren't necessarily, you know, paying attention to the details and just making these kind of decisions. Well, what details are they supposed on, to be paying attention you know, to? Because really, they're right. These mo- These games are not giving us what they they aren't giving uh, the investors what they need to be successful. Like again, going back, uh, look at Dead Space Two. That game was not successful enough. Dead Space Three had all those monetization things in it, and people got pissed off. Also, is just is not as good of a game. I still have no idea how Dead Space Two took. It was sixty million to develop that. Develop he that game included a marketing two. budget into that, so that's apparently a huge uh, okay, bulk but- of the sixty million. But it's like. Because twenty million, I think, was the average cost uh, during that generation. And they only they only got two. So what he said, and sales. and it's like think about it. First off, it's a horror game. Horror games don't sell incredibly well, and it's it's a sequel to a game that the first one didn't super sell, didn't sell a lot. 
It's because they're know, stressful, and a lot of and people that are in their thirties, like when they sit down to play a game, are trying to unwind, not get stressed. <laughs> I'm not saying that you know everyone should be playing horror games. I mean, well, I mean, like there are people who who like they have thrillers as a way of kind of relieving stress. I guess like it, like the act of getting so stressed out like that. And then, like, the relief of it, I guess. I don't know. I like horror I games. Mean, horror um, games are fun. All I know is I said... <laughs> I mean, I've, I've played Doki Doki Literature Club. I, I've, I've seen some shit. Uh, no, have, you, have you played no, that I'm game, not. by the way? Like, It's made by a guy who used to do uh, Smash Mods. And, um, oh my god, this game. Like, It's a it's a visual novel that, uh, if you're never going to play it, I won't... Well, actually, on the off chance someone's listening to this yeah, and wants to play it. it, I won't spoil it. But it's just a... It's a trick. <laughs> Right uh, it is well, a trip. And then, but and then, what? Yeah. Like, look at other games that EA has done. Even that Visceral has, has done, right? Like, Visceral worked on Dante's Inferno. That was a, like, if that you was remember, a cool game. I'll defend Dante's Inferno. Hey, I'm not saying anything bad about Dante's Inferno. All I'm saying is that you know that game was supposed to be a new franchise for EA. And you remember back to Dead Space One when they first unveiled it, they were like that whole game was a part of this new push for the company to be like, Hey, we still make single, like we not single player. We still make hard games for hardcore gamers. We don't just make casual games and they made dead space and they made dead space two. And none of them were working. They made mirrors Mirror's edge. edge. They even made a mirrors edge sequel. Like they continue to do things to try to win back gamers trust. And people are always upset with them just because they're like the big guy in the block. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's why I I, even on Twitter, I was like, you know, this wouldn't be happening if you people actually bought these games. Because I f- I'm like, are you guys actually even buying them? Because it doesn't seem like it. There's just when, not enough of them. This yeah. Is the thing. People well, can clamor all they want, but it's like, I, like I had Dead Space, or I'm sorry, I have the Mirror's Edge sequel. And like, yeah, it's not as good, but it's like, there's still not enough Mirror's Edge fans to, to support and make that sequel. It's a miracle so, that game even got made anyway. It was a mistake to make that. I mean, game, you know, like they wanted to make it. I'm glad it exists, but are we talking about Catalyst? Or are we talking about the Catalyst, original mirrors? But I guess you could say that the first okay, one was a mistake. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like I I no, don't understand how like Mirror's Edge and Mirror's Edge Two the to make Mirror's Edge Two is jumping out right. That's a leap of faith, and it failed, and they lost money. So, like, of course, they're going to be super scared if they're pumping this much money into Visceral to make this single-player Star Wars game, which, even if it's incredible, even if it's, like, the best thing that they've ever played, if they have data that supports that it's not going to sell a certain amount, like, of course, I'm gonna, I would be scared, you know? Like, if we can constantly have people coming in saying, like, oh, I wish I could do this in the game, or I wish I could do that, I wish I could have more player agency, in air quotes, you know? Like, yeah. That makes sense because games now cost tens of millions just to make that level of game. And if you fail, all of a sudden you're out tens of millions of dollars. And like a company like EA, sure, they're doing incredibly well. They have their arms in a billion different pots. But like one bad mistake, look at THQ. One bad mistake is all it took and it sunk that company. And we live in an era where yeah, a, I mean, yeah, a big flop can sink an entire ship. It's possible. And I I just think that the look at games that had other issues other than the fact that they were just single player only. I think that it's, you know, I can't speak 
in detail about a lot of these because like I didn't play Mirror's Edge Catalyst personally. I played the first Mirror's Edge. I know it had the problems with the fact that like some of the levels took place underground, which kind of, you know, destroyed a lot of the running mechanics and stuff, which I think they fixed in Catalyst. But I watched a couple videos about the story of Catalyst, which apparently wasn't very good. Um, I know Dead Space, of course, is a ni- is a is a niche type thing. It's you know it's space horror. You know I for one like I I can't I have a hard time watching movies like Alien because they they freak me out. So I can't play games like Dead Space. Um, you know so that's that's a big part of why Dead Space one and two didn't sell as well because there's a lot of people like me like Josh exactly. said that you know they sit down with a game and they kind of want to just relax a little bit maybe throw a little bit of the horror element <laughs> like, in there. like why do you think you know, Resident like Evil the first, went that action like, route for so many games you know like but then Resident Evil Seven came back and well, also, they didn't, they, also didn't sell very well they threw the baby out with the bathwater whenever they got to Resident Evil Six right like that game was so criticized well yeah that game was. Str- well, that game was straight up action. I mean, it had like, it wasn't it had, really like they you know, had three different campaigns. Each one was supposed to focus on a different aspect. They were all bad. Was the main thing. And the yeah. thing with Capcom is like they had a history of making trashy Resident Evil games. Like five was not received well. I liked it, but people didn't like it as much. And guess what? Five had a co-op thing in there to make it less horror-y, You know, like it, that was the first more action-oriented one. Even though, like four was a little bit actiony, but like. What I'm saying is that, like, 7 came out. Like Josh said, it didn't do as well as, you know, like a giant blockbuster game. And... Well, because it's a horror game. I mean, that's, you know, horror games, in essence, I mean, I I just don't think they are necessarily, you know, going to sell as well as, you know, your destinies, your call of Yeah, so so the point is, uh, why make them? People still like them, so they get upset, and then they're like, why... Why do you not care about horror games? It's this adversarial relationship between developers and the and the audience. That which which I think is why, you know, we should I hope we start seeing more developers like Ninja Theory who start coming out and making games that fill that that need and do it on a cheaper budget. You know, it's clear that Cinema Sacrifice is successful from what I understand and that, you know, Ninja Theory isn't saying anything like it's selling like I crap mean, or anything. But even still, um, how many studios can do that? Not a whole lot. Like, there's there's a breaking point with that even, right? Like, if we had seven games in a year that were like Senua's Sacrifice, gamers would be talking about it like it was loot boxes. Like, oh, every game's going to be costing 40 bucks. You know, it's like the, the way that every we treat game these games. Every game is going to be pretentious. Senua's Sacrifice isn't pretentious. That game's good. It's some, I bet you there's someone out there that argues it is. Oh, of course there. <laughs> About mental illness. Well, of course there yeah. is. Neogaf argued that Gone Home was pretentious, and look what happened to them. Oh, my lord. <laughs> Too soon? Oh, lord. Oh, it's, it, I think it just it's happened, happening. Josh, so yeah. It is. <laughs> it's literally happening like, right now. Their servers are still down, I think. I'm, I'm not sure. But, um, I don't know. Star Wars, if, if, if a Star Wars single-player game is in this bit of a trick right like even if it's just a developmental problem and they're just saying oh it's because of all these you know market reasons just so they you know they don't say it's because the game was complete trash then it's like okay but i mean yeah because then everyone would be like how can you say have they ever even played uncharted just make uncharted and then swap it out with star wars stuff it's easy right yeah i think there's this assumption that that game would have been perfect no matter what and yeah Obviously, it's not true. We can't assume. 
it's still though super disappointing and i understand why people are upset now i i bet you whenever this game finally comes out people probably will care 50 percent less than they do now which is still a lot but it's like i think people It'll still probably sell a lot it's probably going to make them a lot more money well it depends on what it is we don't even know exactly. what it is yet. So. Like, for all we know, this you know. project might be uh, end up canned. Moisture right? Farmer the Simulator. I'd buy that. I'd buy that for a dollar. You have to go to the Toshin Station, pick up mm. some power converters. You're and an Uncle Die. But it's okay. You know, you can... yeah, if, you're, if you're gone too long, Stormtroopers, have you ever seen the custom ranch. action figures yeah. where they make Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru, and it's just yes. like <laughs> the boxes with That's two funny. skeletons in it? <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> great. That is fantastic, yeah. though. That is pretty. That is awesome. By the time this game comes out, we're gonna be looking at like the last movie of the trilogy, you know, which is sort Maybe of insane. Even, we might have already watched it. We might right. even be past it. It's possible. Yeah. Which I mean, that's twenty twenty. So, yeah, that might happen. For no twenty nineteen would be is gonna be episode nine. Oh, is it? Um, my mistake, but. Either Every way, other year. it's like, that's going to be great. Oh, no, because didn't it get delayed because JJ, whenever he jumped on? Yeah, it got delayed from May to December. Same oh, whatever. year. Yeah. You know what, Josh? You you and your little Star Wars podcast, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> excuse I mean, me I'm... for knowing. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of my thing. my thing. I'm way into it. Anyway, we've talked a lot about a lot of things. Um, any, any, I get, I any final thoughts before we wrap up? so much nostalgia right yeah this now. is fun this is very fun <laughs> it's a good time i think just uh sorry yeah. we're nope, close. Go, go for it i just think uh video games in general cost way too damn much use that blaster <laughs> does that count do you do you censor uh, i don't even know if that counts that's up to your discretion yeah i'll figure it out i'm just all i want to say is that games cost too much something's gonna wind up happening and i hope this game does well and i hope everyone at visceral winds up doing well because i'm sure they will there were multiple job fairs in my area for them we did like breeze visceral is in yeah that's good in my area so right i know that like ubisoft had a big job fair specifically for those people and stuff so yeah right on i mean i'm uh you know i'm disappointed to see this happen and you know i i hope whatever game ends up coming out of this ends up being good um i'll say that you know, I, I just I hope anyone at Visceral ends up on their feet, and I'm really sad to hear that, you know, yet another studio has fallen at the hands of EA. But, you know, it just kind of is what it is at this point. we got to move yep. on. All right, everybody. That's been it for this special episode of Long Time Ago Radio. Remember, you can go to Twitter. You can find us at LTA underscore radio, and you can also find us at Facebook.com slash Long Time Ago Radio. And remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and all that good stuff. We'll see you guys later, boy. Beam me up, Scotty. That's wrong. Bye.